Titus chapter 2. Let's go ahead and look at verses 11 through 14. We're going to start there. We're going to read, read these verses again. We're doing a series on these verses. And uh, some people are, are thinking, I'm sure, like, will he ever get out of those verses? Uh, but, you know, I feel like they're the heart of this book, the, the, the doctrinal heart of this book, the, the, the thing about Jesus being our great God and Savior and that he, that he came, he appeared, and he's coming back. And everything that he did for us, which we're going to talk about today. Uh, first of all, you know, I do this uh, with my grandkids sometimes. I got some bad news and I got some good news. So what do you want to hear first? The bad news? My, my wife left me for another man. The good news is it's her dad and she gets to visit her family for a few days. I thought you'd like that. And, uh, you know, if you want to bring meals over. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't want any meals. I, I know how to cook for myself. Seriously. <laughs> Lunch downstairs is free. That's what I was going to tell you. We had it, it was catered from a caterer, and the food is so good. If you don't, if you don't have any plans, just come downstairs because there is so much. And uh, he didn't even give you the whole menu. There is uh, chicken marsala. He gave you that. Uh, meatballs, pasta, potato salad, salad, uh, peppers and sausage and peppers. I said that backwards. I mean, this is stuff is all, like, good stuff, and... and uh, if you, like I said, if you don't have plans, just come down. They're heating, the, the gals are down there heating it up right now for us. In fact, no, it's too early. It's going to say we just give it a try, but rolls. What else? Just good stuff. Anyways, let's read verse 11 through 14. For the grace of God, <clears throat> excuse me, that brings salvation has appeared to all men, and it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I love that. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, Eager to do what is good. Eager to do what is good. We looked last time, we left off last time talking about Jesus and the fact that Jesus is God and, and, and why it matters and, and uh, what they call that. They call it the deity or the divinity of Christ. And why is that important? Well, simply put is that if he isn't God, why follow him? If he isn't God, we, if we worship and serve him, we're only worshiping and serving a man. And there's no point in that. Although in our society, we do it all the time, right? Believe it or not, you know that. We're very uh, idol conscious, uh, celebrity conscious. You know, they don't call it, you know, uh, idol, American idol for nothing. I hear it's coming back. 
we can all start to have a little more idolatry in our lives again. If he isn't God, then he couldn't save us because a, a mere man would be a sinful human being and he would not be able to save us. It's just not possible. He would die for himself. But if he is God, if he is God, we need to follow him. We need to listen up to what he had to say because he did come to save us and that's what we're going to talk about today. That's love. Speaking about this, though, I, I, I would be remiss because I, you know, that was the theme of what I talked about, but I, I spoke with someone afterward and they, got a, they were a little bit confused and I don't want to uh, uh, go on without at least mentioning the Trinity because we talked about Jesus being God, but, but Jesus is one part of the Trinity. Now, we could spend, you know, the whole day talking about the Trinity, but I just want to uh, briefly mention it, is, is that there's one God. The Bible makes it very, very clear that there's only one God. But the Bible also talks about the three persons, the Father, right, the Son, and what else? And the Holy Spirit. And if you look and you, and you read the Scripture, you study this, you see that every, each one of those three are called God. So, are there three gods? No. There's one God, but in three persons. Now, do we totally understand that? Do we totally get that? Not totally. But, but there are people who, again, reject the Trinity, and, and as they do, they will reject some of, the, some of the scriptures that talk about each one of them being God. You can find them. Again, you can do a, a search and a study this. But Jesus, you know, he is uh, eternally existent along with the Holy Spirit and the Father, eternally existent. Before the earth was ever created, that's why you read in John 1, that without him, that is the word, that is Jesus, there nothing could be made that was made. And, and you go back to Genesis 1, and, and, uh, or the early chapters of Genesis, and it talks about, uh, let us... Make man in our image. That isn't a misprint there where it says, let us. He's re referring to the Trinity, that the, the eternal nature of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's radical stuff, but this is what the Bible teaches. And, and people have grappled with it through the years, through the centuries, really. But, but I, think it's, I think it's pretty clear, though we, we don't totally understand it. It's, I think it's pretty clear. We baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and in the name of God. So Jesus, again, uh, getting back to our, our context here, uh, Jesus was not just a man, though he did become a man. They talk about Jesus being fully God, but he was also what? Fully man. Because if he wasn't fully man, Again, he would not be able to save us. He, he would not be able to be uh, that sacrifice for us if he was not a man. He came to be a man so that he could die for mankind. Is that clear? Does, does that make sense to you? So he was fully God and he was fully man. We saw there in verses 13 and 14, we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we are waiting for his second coming. We are waiting for him to return. 
But we can't forget the purpose of his first coming, right? The first coming, why did he come? And that's what it talked about in in verse 11. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, and that is the first coming. And then in verse 14, we're going to see why he came the first time. Say, well, I know all this stuff. Really? Have you told anybody about it since you know it so well? Why did he come the first time? It says there in verse 14, he gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. He came... You know, there's a lot of different reasons, but, but this, again, puts it in a nutshell here that he came to, to save us. Verse 11 said the salvation. Verse 14, he came to redeem us. The second part of verse 14 says to purify for himself a people that are his very own, which we're going to talk about next time. <coughs> to make us his very own. And then the last part, eager to do what is good. Eager to do what is good. He, he came to give us purpose in life. He came, he came to give us something to do. So this Jesus that we celebrate, this Jesus that we think about at Christmas time and hopefully throughout the year, he came to do a lot of things. We're looking for his return, but we want to remember what he came to do the first time he came. What I want to focus in on today is this idea in verse 14. The first part is that he gave himself for us. He gave himself for us. Now, we could read a statement like that and just, you know, breeze right past it. But when you stop to think about it, that's why Scripture is so incredible. That's why, you know, the older I get, the more I want to slow down and like really think about what these words say and what they mean. He gave himself for us, Right? If you just break it down, who's the he? Who? Are you getting confused? Jesus, God? Oh, yeah, they're the same. Right. I forgot. He, speaking of Jesus, right? And we, we've just talked about again, and we talked about it last week the whole time, that Jesus is God. So God, you can say, gave himself for us, too. You've got to understand this thing that Jesus did on the cross, this was From the heart of God, God himself came. When they looked at Jesus, they called him, you know, he was to be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Think about it for a second. God gave himself for us. Well, I thought it was Jesus. Yeah, but Jesus is God, and so God gave himself for us is also true. Notice what it says, he gave who? He gave himself. First of all, it was a gift. When someone gives something, it's a gift, right? He gave, and it, it, it wasn't because we earned it, right? And back to the grace again. Did we earn his coming to save us, to die for us? We didn't deserve anything. But he gave himself. When you think about the fact that he gave himself, he gave his very life. He gave his very life, it says, for us. For us. 
He gave Himself for us. Why did He do that? I want you to turn with me to the Gospel of John, if you would. We're going to look at a couple of passages in John. I'm not going to have you turn into all the, all the different books today, but let's, let's turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 10, or excuse me, 15. We're going to go to chapter 10 later. The Gospel of John 15, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, what? That he lay down his life for his friends. Now, Jesus was talking there, and he was telling his disciples they needed to love each other, but he says, love each other as I have loved you. And then he says that statement in verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. That's what Jesus did. Why did he do this? Why did he give himself for us? Because of love. There's no greater love, Jesus is making very clear to you and me today but that he would lay down his life for his friends. That's what he did. He laid down his life for you and for me. Paul, in Galatians 2.20, he talks about Jesus. He says, the Son of God who loved me and what? Gave himself for me. He loved me and he gave himself for me. Who? Jesus gave himself for me. He gave his very life. Greater love has no one than this, that he would lay down his life. He loved me. And he gave himself for me. That, that, that's about as personal as it can get. And we're going to have communion here in just a few minutes. And, and can you and I say that? Is it personal enough to me that, that I can say, Jesus, the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In Ephesians, he opens it up, though, of course, and he says, Christ loved us, and he gave himself, himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Christ loved me, and Christ loved us, and he gave himself up for us. I, I just wonder, do we even get this? Do we even get it? He gave himself. He gave himself for us, for me. And I think, I think there's some stress on the idea that he gave himself for us, for you and for me. What do I mean by that? I mean this is that, that he wasn't a victim he wasn't a victim of the Jewish authorities who turned him in. He wasn't a victim of the Roman authorities who actually carried this out, right? He wasn't a victim. I want you to turn back now to John chapter 9. I mentioned that. John chapter 10, I'm sorry. John chapter 10 and verse 17 He gave himself for us. 
John 10, verse 17. He said, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. Look what it says in verse 18. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. How can you not read words like this and not see what he's saying here? That that he did it on purpose. He did it by choice. They could not take his life from him. In fact, they tried to kill him at certain times in his life, and he just walked away. He said they, his time had not yet come, and he could, they couldn't do anything to him. Right? Until he got to the place where he says, the time is now. But notice what he says here. How can anybody but God himself say, I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. He, he knew who he was. He was God. God the Son. I love it. I love it. And uh, I'll put it up on the screen. You can read it along with me where it says in Matthew 26, when Jesus was captured, right? Quote, unquote. And his disciples, they, you know, they were trying to defend him. They got the swords out. They wanted to try to keep him from being taken. And this is what he said in Matthew 26. Do you think I cannot call on my father? And he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels. But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? If Jesus didn't want to go, if he wasn't willing to go, all he, ha- all he would have to do, you could call on the Father, you know, 12 legions of angels, those guys are done. They're toast. One angel could take care of them all, of course, but 12 legions, and I, I'm trying to remember how many are in a, in a legion. Is it 1,000? 1 to 2,000? Thank you. So we're talking 12,000 to 24,000 angels. He could call them right then. But notice he says, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way. You see, it was prophesied. You re- we read about all the prophecies, uh, many of them anyways, speaking about the fact of what was yet to happen, that the fact of Jesus coming, the fact of the cross, the fact that it was prophesied these things where he would be born. It was all planned, you see. It was planned for what? It was planned for him to give, his, give himself for us. It was all planned. Before the foundation of the world, he knew what he was going to do, that he, would, that he would give himself for us to save us, to redeem us, to make us his very own people, and to give us purpose. Galatians chapter 1, I don't know if you can read that. Is that big enough? Yes. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, what? Who gave himself. He didn't just give himself for the sake of doing it. There was a purpose in it, right? It says here, for our sins. He gave his very life for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of God of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Again, it was God's will. It was the Father's will. Jesus was obeying the Father's will. 
to give himself for our sins. That's why when you look at that phrase, he gave himself for us, he gave himself for us or in our behalf, he gave his life for me, taking the payment, the price, paying the price that I should pay. That's what he says here. He gave himself for our sins to rescue us. Without Jesus Christ, though, how are you going to rescue yourself? Can you rescue yourself? You know, the, the, the sad truth is we, we kind of think that. I'll be okay. I'm, I'm, I'm living a pretty good life. I'm doing everything pretty good. But the fact of the matter is, have you done anything wrong at all, period? Just one thing, one sin, that's all it takes. Well, that's not fair. That's not what we say. That's not fair. We learned that from kids, right? We're kids. That's not fair. I remember my kids, you know, they used to like ration out the Cheerios. It's not fair. You got 12 Cheerios and I only got 11. It's not fair. And if we think like that, and a lot of the world thinks, you know, that's why I don't believe in God, because he's not fair, because he's not seeing how good I am. But, but the problem is we're not seeing how good he is. And the fact of the matter is he is pure, he is holy, completely holy and righteous. We, don't, we, we, we just don't have a grasp on how, on how holy God is because you and I, if we went to stand in the presence of God right now, we would be burned up because of his complete and pure holiness. So we can't make it on our own, but Jesus knew that. The Father knew that. It says it was the will of our God and Father to send Jesus Christ to give himself for our sins, to rescue us, to save us. I know all that stuff, Rich. That's okay. I'm going to tell you again. He gave himself for us. We can read about it here in 1 Peter chapter 3. It says, Christ died for what? For sins. Once for all, one time. But notice what he says there. The righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body but made alive by the Spirit. He says he died for sins once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. That's you and me, the unrighteous. He died for me in my place to redeem us, to set us free. Earlier in 1 Peter, it says this, that we were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to us with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. The sinless Son of God, when they saw Jesus, what did they say? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. A lamb without blemish or defect. This word redeem means as it says there, set free by payment of a ransom. He gave himself for us to redeem us from all iniquity. One more passage I want to put on the screen for you to read because I love this. You, you see, again, the Old Testament, looking ahead to the New Testament and, and what uh, Jesus would do, of course, God's 
special uh, heart for the people of Israel. But, but look what it says here. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. And he himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. He himself will do it. He, he, himself, he himself came in God the Son to redeem us from all our sins. Who came for me, for you, who gave himself for me and for you, our great God and our Savior, to save us, to rescue us from all sin. I don't know about you, but to me, this isn't just Christmas in a manger. It's much bigger than that. This is life and death. This is life and death. And, and, and I, I was reminded of this scripture in Hebrews chapter 2 that says this, How shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? If we, if we just ignore it and we don't think about it, you know, I'm going to think about it later. I was talking at the memorial service yesterday with all the reasons why we, we don't want to deal with it. I'll, I'm going to deal with it later. Manana. You know the manana principle? Manana never comes, right? Uh, you know, I want to live a little bit first. I'm too young. I'm too old. I don't have enough hair. We have all kinds of reasons why we want to put it off. But it's life and death. It's life and death. You say, well, you're so serious today. Yeah, because this is serious stuff. This is absolute life and death stuff. And, and if anybody in this room has not made that decision to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ, well, I want to urge you, I want to challenge you to give him your life today. Because it is life, it is death. We're going to have communion right now. And this is a time where we remember this one who gave himself for us. We remember his death. We remember the fact that he came and he came to die. He came to die for my sins. It's a time, I think, for us to renew our commitment, our understanding of the cross of Jesus. I think it's also a time to come and just bring all the junk in our lives and just, just lay it all there at the foot of the cross and say, I, you know, I can't deal with all this, so I'm going to come and I'm going to bring it all before you right here, right now. I need help. I can't make it on my own. I think it's for us to remember, to remind ourselves that we cannot make it on our own, that we never could. It's ridiculous for us to even try. In John chapter 6, they were talking about the body and the blood of Jesus. And he said some radical stuff. You know, he said, you know, you, 
You, you said he was the living bread in verse 51. He says, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And he talks about giving his life, his, his own flesh and his blood. And they, you know, they misunderstood what he was trying to say. Because they thought, you know, he was talking about eating his real flesh and drinking his real blood. No, he was giving that, his real flesh and his real blood, and giving his life to die for you and me so that, so that our sins would be paid for. But we need to receive that. We need to take that in, the body and the blood of Jesus. And when we do that in communion, we're, we're not, it doesn't turn into body and blood. I'm sorry, I don't buy that. I don't believe that. It's symbolic, though. It's symbolic of the fact that he gave his real body, his, he died for real. It wasn't some apparition, some, you know, idea, some, you know, divine idea. It was reality that happened. He shed his blood for you and for me. And so when we believe and we, when we partake together, that's why, that's why it's so serious that we take communion. We don't just, you know, oh yeah, I'm just going to take communion. And we think about, think about the fact that we're remembering his death, that, that this was a real thing that he did for you and for me. That's why, <coughs> excuse me, that's why Paul says in, in Corinthians that we shouldn't just take it. <coughs> we shouldn't take it in, unless we're, we're really thinking about what it is. We're not going to take it lightly. And if, if you don't belong to him, you shouldn't take it anyways. If you haven't made that decision to, to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you haven't trusted him, you haven't received him into your life, you shouldn't take it. No one here is going to look at you and think anything of you. It's, it's between you and him. But I urge you that if you don't think you're ready, you can get ready right now. We're, we're taking this, this morning, this time right now to, to give an opportunity that you can right now, right here today, say yes to Jesus Christ. Mr. Honeycutt, we did his memorial yesterday, and I, I you know, uh, this was told to me, you know, that there was a, a man speaking to him and and the man said, you know, you can trust Jesus Christ. You can receive him and believe in him and have your sins forgiven and have eternal life. And Mr. Honeycat said, yes. That's powerful. Mr. Honeycat said, yes. For you and I, we can say yes. If you haven't said yes, you can say yes right here and right now. You can have your life changed from the inside. You can partake of communion. You can know where you will spend eternity in heaven with him. I have to say that apart from him is not a good picture. Apart from him, apart from being uh, rescued and saved by Jesus Christ, it's an eternity separated from him, the Bible says. That's what hell is. The definition of hell is to be separated from God for eternity. That's what hell is. That's the worst thing about hell, is to be separate from him forever and ever and ever. So we're going to take a minute now. We're going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to give 
anybody an opportunity. Maybe uh, you can pray, and, 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 then, and then we're going to have the elements, the, the bread and the cup passed out, and, and we'll have some quiet time while those things are being passed out where you can kind of just reflect on who you are. But we're going to pray right now and, and have an opportunity to say yes. And maybe, maybe you've already said yes. Well, say yes again. It's a good thing. Why? Because we wander. We drift. The book of Hebrews talks about that, where we drift away. And if you drift one degree, right, Mark, in the boat, where do you end up? Way off course. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for, most of all, that it was your will. For you so loved the world that you sent your only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, would not be separated from you forever, but have eternal life with you in heaven forever and ever. That's, that's the truth of your gospel, your good news. I thank you, God. I thank you, Jesus, that you were obedient to the Father and you came. And not only did you come, but you gave yourself, you gave your life. That cruel, horrible death on the cross for us. You, you took the death that, that I should take. You took it for me, for us. And that all we need to do is believe and trust and receive what you've given. So again, each one here today, look at your own heart. Have you said yes to him? Do you need to say yes again? Or is today the first time you want to say yes, yes to Jesus Christ? You can pray with me right now. Say, dear Jesus, I open my heart to you today. I believe you died on that cross for me, for my sin. You were buried, you rose from the dead. And I receive the gift you gave yourself not only for us, but to us. And so, I receive. Father, hear our cries today. Maybe some are carrying burdens that are just too big to carry, and we can come and bring them to the foot of the cross today. We can come and say, yes, you are Lord. Yes, you are Savior. Yes, you are the great and almighty God, and nothing is too difficult for you. Nothing is impossible for you. But we can also say thank you and give you honor, give you glory for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.